right, today we're going to be going from the heart, the um, armor of God. We're going to be moving to something different. We're going to be taking the breastplate of righteousness, and we'll break it down into something different. So this week we're going to be talking about the heart of a Christian and what that means to you. I'm also going to give you an example of a person in the Bible who shows what the heart of a Christian should be. So if you would turn to Colossians chapter 3 in your Bibles today. Colossians chapter 3. And we'll start in on the first verse. Colossians chapter 3. All right, everybody there? <laughs> Colossians. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start reading since we're a little short on time today. So we're going to start in the first verse if you're there. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your afflictions, affections on things not a, on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, when um, when Christ then where is that? When Christ, who is in our lives, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, for fornication, uncleanliness, inordinance, affection, evil consequences, and covenants which is adultery, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walk some time, when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, this anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filth, communication out of your mouth. Why not one to another, seeing that ye have put on the old man which is dead, and have put on the new man which is renewed and acknowledged after the image of him, created in him. And we'll skip down to 13. Forbearing, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man having a quarrel against any... Even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. So let's break down what this section means. So in the very first verse it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So it's talking about things above. And we see this all through the 11 verses that we read. We talk, it talks a lot about things above. And what it means by things above is it means focusing on heaven instead of the world. So this is talking about how you need to keep fo yourself focused on God in heaven and not worldly things. And it also talks about your afflictions and how you need to set things on, on heavenly things. Verse 5 tells us a lot of things about how people act without Christ. This verse says that they are unclean and evil. Verse 5 says, Mortify therefore your member members which are upon the earth, fornification, uncleanliness, unordinance, affection, evil conspiracy, Conspiracy, sense, and covetousness, which is a adultery. So it's talking about all these things 
that people of the world are. Verse 6 is telling us that God will rain judgment on these who don't believe in him and stay focused on worldly things instead of things above. It says in this verses here that you need to put your things in, you need to put your possessions in things above. You need to put all your time, you need to put time, you need to put money, you need to put stuff into the kingdom of God for the upbuilding of him. Verse 8 tells us the things that uh, we as a Christian should not do as cursing, anger, wrath, and blasphemy, which is an act of offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God. Verse 9 tells us other things that we should not do as Christians, which is not to lie to one another, but it also talks of how we are saved. When we are saved, we take off the old self, or as it says in the King James Version, the old man, and we put on the new man. And this new man is renewed in knowledge after the image of he of Jesus that created us. Let us pull apart verse 9 when it talks about the old man and his deeds. It is talking of a person with a sinful with sinful habits and acts that you commit. And when you come to Christ, you should stop committing these acts. It's when you come to Christ, you're supposed to turn over a new life. It talks about how you're washed clean from the blood. You're washed white as snow. So you need to ask for forgiveness from Jesus and move away from those sins, give them to him and not come back to them. Verse 13, which we skipped down to at last bit, also tells us that we should forgive people for the things that they may have done to us, someone we love, because Jesus has forgave us by dying on his cross. So we're going to turn to Galatians chapter 5. That's, a look, that's right over from Colossians. And I'll start reading now. And we'll be in verse 22 and 23. So 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So let's break down what this means. We're going to look at each one of these. I'm going to explain to you what they mean. So we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit here. It says, So let's look at the things, the nine things that Paul is telling us that we should be as a Christian. The first one that Paul tells us is that we need is love. Paul Paul is telling us that we need love to love our neighbors and sinners because Christ loved us so much that he died on the brutal cross. The second is joy. Paul is saying that Christians need to be joyful. The Bible says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And even if you're going through trials and tribulations, you still need to stay faithful and joyful unto the Lord. Third is peace. As Christians, we should be at peace because we have the assurance that Jesus is on our side. So back to those trials and tribulations I was just talking about. When you're going through these, sometimes, sometimes something like this, go into prayer and read God's Word and find peace in Him. The fourth, the fourth thing that Paul talks about is long-suffering. And long-suffering means to having or showing patience in spite of trouble. So like I was talking earlier with the trials and tribulations. Paul is telling us here that instead of stressing over a situation that we should be long-suffering and seek the Lord to help us in that situation. Fifth is gentleness, and what Paul means here is that we, should be, we shouldn't be violent, aggressive to people when trying to lead them to Christ. We should be gentle, slowly, slowly and patiently help them lead to Christ. So if I'm coming up to someone I'm saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're not believing in Jesus, you're not believing in Jesus, I'm sitting here just throwing the Bible in their face, they're probably not going to listen to me, they're probably going to get away from me, if I slowly work on that person, like, hey, have you read your Bible today? Hey, have you heard about this? Hey, have you heard about that? 
you're slowly going to be able to lead that person to Christ instead of coming at them aggressively that's going to draw them away from Christ. So seventh is faith. I mean, sixth is um, goodness. What Paul means by goodness is that we should go out and show the goodness of the Lord through us because we're supposed to be in the image of God. We talked about this. At, they talked about this at Snowbird a lot about how to be in the image of God. Eighth is meekness. Meekness is essentially an attitude or quality of heart whereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of someone else. So we need to be able to, like it says here, it says, to submit without resistance to the will. We need to be able to submit without resistance to the will of God. If God asks us to do something, like we'll talk about earlier with the example I'm going to give you guys, he's really going to show you how when God tells you to do something, you, <clears throat> you, um, you show no resistance and go along with his will. So the last one is ninth is temperance. Temperance is emotional restraint or self-control. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but one who has hasty temper exalts in slipping into worldly thoughts and actions instead of heavenly ones. So we're going to turn to John 15, chapter 15. And I'll start reading now while you guys are getting there. So we're going to be reading from verses 5 to 10. And verses 5 to 10 say, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abideth not in me, he cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it will shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so, sh so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye love, keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. So let's break down what that means. This is the vineyard of the vine. This is one of the last I am statements that Jesus makes in the Bible. So in the fifth verse, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him. What Jesus is telling us here is that when we accept him as our Lord and, and Savior, we abide in his word and kingdom and he abideth in our souls. So let's move to the sixth verse. The sixth verse talks about if it tells if someone doesn't abide in Jesus, that they are gathered together when they die and they're casted into the fire. So this is someone that goes through life. They don't listen to Jesus. They hear him knocking on their, people say they knock on their door, Jesus asking to come into your heart. They deny it. They don't do that. They stay worldly. They get cast into the fire at the end of their lives. In the seventh verse, this tells us that if we remain in Jesus, that he will answer anything for us. Now don't take this too literally like if I ask Jesus, if I pray to Jesus, oh, Jesus, uh, give me an Xbox. I want an Xbox really bad. It's not going to pop right in front of me. It's going to be right there. You need to ask for stuff like, I don't know, pray for something long term. Like you know someone's not saved. You pray for them over time. But when you pray for something, 
Jesus is not always going to answer it the way you want it answered. He's going to answer it the way that's in his will. So it might not be the way you want it answered, but he is going to answer it, just not the way you might want it. The eighth verse tells us about producing fruit. We need to produce fruit. It talks about the vineyard of the vine. It talks about how he is the vine, we are the branches, and the branches produce fruit. Producing fruit, we need to produce the fruit to go out and tell people about and teach people about Jesus. The ninth verse tells us that God loved his that God loved his son, and Jesus tells us to remain in his love so we can become his disciples, go out into the world, and teach people, teach and preach to many people. And lastly, the tenth verse tells us that we need to be like Jesus. We need to remain in his love and keep his commandments. So always keep the commandments. Now, we've talked about what Paul and Jesus have told us about how to be a Christian, but I'm going to take an um, example here. We've read through Genesis a couple months back, and we talked a lot about Abraham. And we'll take an example here that John MacArthur talked about, and it's going to be talking about how someone we talked about earlier about meekness and how you submit without resistance. We're going to watch here in Genesis 22 how Abraham shows meekness to God when his son is asked to be sacrificed. So in verse, 20, verse 1 in Genesis 22 says, And it came to pass after the things that Jesus, God did, tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou loveth, and get thee into the land of Moran, and offer him therefore a burnt offering up one upon one of the mountains, which I will tell of thee. So verse 2 right here, you talk, you see this, it says, Take now thy son, thy only son. It's almost like God's kind of rubbing it into him. He's like, take your son, your only son, your beloved son, your only son that you love a lot. Take him and sacrifice him. Now, in today's time, most people would say no. But Abraham shows the heart of a Christian. He shows meekness. He submits without resistance and follows God's will. So if you go through the book, if you go through this chapter, it'll talk about how he gets there. He um, he tells his um, son that they will find a um, when they get there they they get off their donkeys. But Isaac asks Abraham, "Well, where's our burnt offering?" He says, "God will provide us one." And when he straps Isaac down to the altar right before he's about to kill him, if you look into it, it says Isaac really didn't resist him. He really didn't resist him that much. And it came down to Abraham was just about to kill Isaac when God called out to him. And it says at the start of this, it said, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt. So he was testing Abraham to see his faith. God's going to test your faith in life. He's going to, he's going to, we talked about, I talked about Job for the boys class. And we talked about how Job and how Jesus, I'm, I mean, sorry, God told Satan that he can take everything away from Job. He can take everything, his home, he can put boils all over him, he can take his kids, his cattle, everything. But Job still remained loyal to him. And that shows how you need to be the heart of a Christian. And we talk about, if you want to go into the New Testament, you also see in the New Testament with the disciples and the apostles, they show the hearts of Christians, they submit without resistance and follow God's will. So what this lesson I really wanted to show you guys is how to show the heart of a Christian, how to, and especially how to show meekness.
Because meekness is very important to you as a Christian. You need to be very, you need to show meekness in the eyes of the Lord. If he asks you to go do something, if you were in Sunday school earlier, Hunter was talking of how you would go, if Jesus would ask you to go across the country and he'd tell you when to stop, would you do that? And that's something hard to do. But people, if you show meekness unto God and you show faith unto him, you need to show meekness and faith. And that's it.